as we hear a reading from Luke. This is like the story before the story. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and Fear overwhelmed him, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, They came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father, but his mother said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John, and all of them were amazed. Immediately, his mouth was open, his tongue freed, he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord, thy God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and in righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness till the day he appeared publicly to Israel. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Well, in the Gospel of Luke, when the angel Gabriel tells Mary that she has found favor with God and so will bear a son, that she will name Jesus, Gabriel additionally says, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, 
has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. The gospel writers had a really difficult task when they sat down to think, how am I going to tell the story about the gigantic thing that just happened when God was born into the world through Jesus? How do I provide the context to show what this means? Each in their own way, each gospel writer, needed to not only tell what happened, like tell the plot of the story, but they had to place their good news within the ongoing, unfolding, ancient narrative of what we now call the Old Testament, which ended, you may know, with promises that a Messiah would come. But before that anointed one, the Messiah, would come, there would be one who prepared the way of the Messiah, the the way of the Lord. There would be one who cried out in the wilderness to call attention to this Messiah. So Luke uses words that make it clear. John is that promised trailblazer. John, this son of Elizabeth and Zechariah, is the fulfillment of the promise. And when a promise gets fulfilled, you know what people do? They sing. Zechariah is getting on in years, Luke tells us. His wife and he haven't been able to have children, and the first scene Luke wants to tell us about in his entire gospel is him going into work. Zechariah is a priest, says he's righteous, which means he does the priest things correctly. He's good at following the rules. And he's just going about his job, burning the incense at the altar of the Lord or whatever, when an angel appears and Zechariah loses his mind. He is, we're told, overwhelmed with fear. I don't know if you've ever been overwhelmed with fear. Can't be a great feeling. But the first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Elizabeth is going to bear you a son. You're going to name him John. The custom was to name the eldest son after their father. Naming this child John would be noticeably weird to everybody else. But the angel continues, with the spirit and power of Elijah, he'll turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asks, how will I know this is so? The wife and I are pretty old. Well, Gabriel didn't appreciate this. I am Gabriel, the angel says. I stand in the presence of God. God sent me here. I'm taking away your voice until these things happen. That is a summary. That's not exactly what he said. I'm paraphrasing. But as a parent, I watched my wife take our kids' voices a number of times when they were little. It's genius, and it works sometimes. I think that's what the angel does to Zechariah here. So for nine months, Zechariah has to think about what he said and how he lost himself with the angel. He is a metaphor, Zechariah is, for the whole of Israel who've been waiting for this promised preparer for so long, like hundreds of years. Israel have been persecuted and occupied and destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed again, 
They've been victims of their own success and victims of their enemy's cruelty at different times repeatedly. But through it all, they've waited and watched and expected and doubted and languished in despair and shaken their fist at God and hoped. They've held a hope without any reason to hope. And one of Luke's primary tasks in, his, in this first chapter is to show that God's people do not hope in vain, ever. So I could end the sermon right there, but I wrote more. Elizabeth bears a son, and all her neighbors and relatives rejoice with her. But Zechariah has to remain silent. On the eighth day, when Jews name their children at the circumcision ritual, everybody's waiting to hear them name the child Zeki Jr. or whatever, Zechariah Jr., because that's what you did. But Elizabeth says, no, he is to be called John. Insert collective gasps here. Like, you know, everybody would have been amazed at this. None of your relatives has this name. Get Zechariah over here. It's like all these neighbors wanted Zechariah to come in and do some mansplaining to Lizzie here. So, you know, he'll set her right. So old Zechariah gets his tablet out, the kind with chalk, I would imagine, and he writes, his name is John. And at this moment, that's when the big something happens to Zechariah. This metaphor for the ancient peoples of Israel has accepted and made witness to who this baby is. He's the one, when he says his name's John, he's accepted. He's the one who will prepare the way of the one who's going to change everything. And once Zechariah shows that he is all in with the truth of who his own son is, immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue was freed, and he began to speak. And what words did he use? What did he first say? After so many months, well, he actually sang, Blessed be the Lord thy God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. It's a camp song. Kids of First Lutheran have definitely sung it. It's Zechariah's song. Might not be the tune, but it could be. We don't have notes in the Bible. Maybe it was the tune. Anyway, within this song, Zechariah tells everybody this child's going to be called the prophet of the Most High. We cannot overstate the importance of John. John is the hinge between the promises of the Old Testament and the claims of what is to come through Jesus the Christ. John's story is the fulfillment of unfinished business left over from the Old Testament while also becoming the first lonely voice in the wilderness offering a sign of things to come. For 450 years, the Jewish people have been waiting for the prophecy of Malachi, the last part of the Old Testament, to be fulfilled. So think about how long that is. It won't be but a couple years until our nation celebrates 250 years old. Add another 200 years, and that's how long it's been that the Jews have been waiting at this point for the prophecy of Malachi to be fulfilled. Malachi ends with a cliffhanger. Lo, I'll send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. 
So everybody's looking everywhere, desperately for this Elijah. Because once Elijah comes, the Messiah is going to follow closely. Well, John is the Elijah they've been looking for. And in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist says something that tells us a lot about him, but also about the Messiah, who is indeed following him closely. John says, he must increase as I must decrease. John the Baptist is saying, a new creation must increase from now on. The old creation must decrease. All that was a law that was intended for Jews alone, the hierarchy of tribes and who is allowed to have access to the Lord, an incomplete relationship with a faraway God, that all must decrease, John is saying. All that is to come, however, through Christ, a fulfilled law meant to include everyone, all the earth, equality for all genders, all ethnicities, every other way we divide ourselves, grace, it all must increase. John the Baptist represents the last piece of an old order and the first voice of a new one. He's the hinge that holds together the time that is before Christ and the time that is to come after death has been defeated. In this era of 55 degrees and rain on Christmas Day, with a war in Palestine that gets uglier and worse every day, with no solutions in sight regarding gun violence or the inequality of wealth as a handful of billionaires have more wealth than the majority of people in our whole country, as everything is used to divide us, we may at times feel tempted to think we're stuck in what was. Or maybe parts of us even want to remain in what was, because it's familiar and change can be hard. But Christmas reminds us that God makes change inevitable. God's work is moving us and all of creation away from all that's broken or bound to fear or forced to die. Once God announced the birth of John and then gave Zechariah a song to sing, All the world was put on notice that they were about to receive the greatest gift of all, the Messiah, who is good news to all the people, who is love born for us. The birth of Jesus is not the end of a Bible story or simply the source of something that generates warm fuzzies for church people who like to sing Christmas songs. Christmas is about the change God brings, that everything old is becoming new. And we know that is good news, which is why we say, thanks be to God. Amen.